Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Dr. Perry Maynard about dizziness and vertigo after brain injury. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic by a staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post. Thrive Global, and The Good Men Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And I recently launched The Brain Health Magazine. You can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Also, don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Perry Maynard, and he is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist that specializes in the management of complex neurological cases, including post-concussive syndrome, vertigo, balance disorders, movement disorders, dysautonomia, and a variety of autoimmune conditions. Dr. Maynard has extensive education and training in concussion rehabilitation, vestibular rehabilitation, and neuroimmunology. He first became interested in neurological rehab after playing Division I college football for Eastern Illinois University, where he experienced multiple concussions and witnessed friends and teammates suffering without answers or options for treatment. This is why he has dedicated his professional life to helping those suffering from traumatic brain injuries. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Maynard. Really happy to have you here. Yes, Amy. Thank you so much uh, for having me here. I love your podcast. Um, I think the work that you are doing for uh, individuals uh, in this field suffering from head injuries or those with loved ones suffering from head injuries definitely needs something like this. So uh, I'm very, very happy to be on this podcast and excited to talk about dizziness. Yeah, well, and I had the opportunity to meet you this past summer um, when I traveled through Colorado with my Not Invisible campaign, and you and Dr. Steadman were um, the gracious sponsors of the Colorado event, and, um, you know, it's kind of surreal right now because I should be leaving next week to go out west for my next leg of Not Invisible, but Obviously, I'm not going anywhere right now. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's odd, to- it's odd times right now for sure. It is, and you know that is why I have kind of upped my podcast output. 
Um, I'm like, you know, with everyone staying at home, they need things to do. So let's do some extra podcasts the next few months and get people some, you know, education that they can digest in 30 minutes. So, um, yeah. So anyway, let's, let's, um, let's jump in. I know in the bio, we talk a little bit about your background, um, it, but I, I always like to start by asking my guests how they came to work in the brain injury community. Definitely. Yeah. So I, um, you know, played football all of my life. Um, you know, when I was first growing up, you know, luckily you know, always ringing my bell, but you know, at the time you really didn't know, you know, what it was, you know, it's like your vision goes purple, you know, that seems at the time when you're young and you don't know much about the brain, you're like, Oh, you know, I think I've mm-hmm. taken a little bit too too hard of a hit. But so anyway, so so I played college football, and, and while I was in college, um, I had I was getting a biology degree, and actually was doing a minor in neuroscience, um, mostly because I was very fascinated by the brain. I didn't really know why at the time. Later on, I think I kind of figured out. I think with a lot of people, especially that get into neurology, uh, either a loved one or themselves, something something's off, and they don't really know why. So I think yeah. I was always kind of pulled towards the brain. And so I said, you know, I played uh, Division One football, I uh, was a linebacker, and I had a few teammates that sadly, when they finished playing, were 26, they were on disability, they were experiencing multiple seizures a day, they were being left with ninety dollars to $100,000 bills of medical appointments that colleges weren't caring, and it was just absolutely shocking. There was, there was nothing for them, no one believed them. I mean, like I said, you know, you have coaches at the time of – I remember going to my trainer at the beginning of a season and saying, man, I've had this really bad headache for a month straight now. Like, this is really weird. And, and her reply was, well, you're just getting used to hitting again. And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I remember times during the fall, during the season where my grades would plummet. I'd sit there at the library. I really couldn't focus. And then I remember during spring ball when there's far less hitting that my grades would do significantly better i feel cool oh, all these different things um so you know like i said it was it was very real in my life but at the time in college i didn't really recognize what happened long term with head injuries and so i was actually at uh the nfl combine when there were some speakers and one of the speakers was actually professor carrick and i'd never heard of him before and he started talking and I was like, wow, I was like, I don't really know what this guy is saying, but I had a little of the background <laughs> in neuroscience. So I knew that I knew the neuroanatomy of what he was saying, but I was like, this is really fascinating. This is really interesting. And that's kind of when I decided to go to chiropractic school um, to learn a lot of the things he was teaching um, and kind of started my diplomate as soon as I was, I was in school. But it, it was interesting that as I was going through chiropractic school, going to my diplomate, everything started to hit me. So when I was in school, besides, you know, kind of headaches and, and some fatigue and brain fog, you know, I, I didn't think I really had a lot of severe symptoms. But as I went through grad school and started pushing myself, anxiety crept in, um, different, you know, like ticks, tremor, like all these really things at one point. I had really bad dysautonomia, really bad POTS to the point where I had to crawl off the couch just to get to bed. Um, otherwise I was going to faint. So it was really interesting to see years after these things start to hit me. And I kind of was like, what the heck is going on? You know, I thought I made it out of college alive, you know, since I was walking and I could see, I thought, Hey, I made it out of football. I'm good to go. And I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. 
and that what I decided to do was going to come with a long term of consequences, especially if I didn't decide to get the help that I needed or to take the best care of myself moving forward. So really that's kind of what threw me into, um, you know, concussions. And like I said, it just, it, it rings very strong to home for me uh, Uh with a lot of my friends who are still suffering. So um, yeah, that's kind of what got me into doing what I do. Yeah. And, you know, I really just, in my experience, as as a brain injury survivor, you know, people who haven't experienced one truly can't comprehend it. It's not for lack of wanting to underhand, understand it. They just, you can't understand it until you have been in the shoes. Like you can't explain what it feels like to have constant dizziness or like your short-term memory is just gone, you know, or like, you know, I like to share the story of, um, going to the gas station to pay at the pump and it, it asks you to enter your zip code and then press enter. And there was no enter button. I kept looking and looking and looking and nothing said enter, but it was a green button. Right. And like the average yep. person would understand that that is the enter button. And my brain could not make that connection. I literally had to cancel it and drive to a different gas station because I couldn't figure it out. And that happened more than once. Um, you know, so, you know, until you've lived in those shoes, you really, really can't fully comprehend what the symptoms are like. And so I think those of you who are doing the work in functional neurology who have experienced it at any level, whether a mild or a severe, um, I feel like you are the ones who really, really, really get it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm a photographer by trade and I've always said, you know, you can teach people the technical, but you can't teach people the eye. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like with functional neurology, it's really similar. Like you can teach all these fundamentals, but unless you've been on the other side of it, you don't fully grasp it. Um, so I appreciate those of you who are doing the work that have also been through it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and I think I find that it helps me the most in relating to patients. You know, I see a lot of doctors, you know, who maybe haven't suffered vertigo, dizziness, or things like POTS or, or headaches or whatever it may be. And it's, I see it's really difficult for them to communicate. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a blessing now, but I, I find when I kind of talk to patients, it's like, you know, I can speak somewhat to what they're feeling and relate to what they're feeling. And I think that helps our relationship. And I, help, I think it helps them feel more comfortable that, hey, okay, this person knows what I'm talking about. They're not just yeah. thinking about it because yeah. they read it in a textbook. They've lived yeah. it. They've treated it. So, yeah, that, yeah. Yep, that's it right there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um. So, okay, so our topic today is dizziness and vertigo. And I think the first thing I want to do is, like, what's the difference between dizziness and vertigo? Perfect. I think that is a great question because I have so many patients come in who say, you know, I have vertigo. Or they may not even say they're dizzy. They may describe it as numerous types of symptoms. So technically, when you look at true vertigo, True vertigo is the sensation of you spinning, yourself spinning, or the world spinning. So kind of like you're on a tilt-to-whirl or things are rotating against you. Dizziness is a little bit more of a vague statement. And, and it's important to understand these two because it helps me guide patients to really find what they're feeling. Because some patients with dizziness may say, I feel like I'm floating. I feel like I'm bobbing on a boat. 
Um, I'm lightheaded. Uh, I just feel foggy. I've had patients say, I feel like the left side of my head is spinning and I feel like the right side of my head is still. So some pretty kind of funky things. But the big thing is, you know, vertigo is true spinning. So I'm spinning or the world spinning for either a short period of time or a long period of time. And dizziness can come in the form of um, lightheadedness, uh, floating, bobbing on a boat, anything that gives them the sense of disequilibrium or not feeling grounded. Um, but like I said, I've seen some people where they, they describe it as fog and memory issues uh, just because they don't really know how to wrap their words around what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So really that's the big yeah. difference is vertigo is pretty specific. Dizziness is pretty vague and it can come from numerous different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I see the words used so interchangeably um, that I feel it, it is important to, to point out there, there is a difference. Um, I know for me, I had kept going to the neurologist and complained of dizziness and she sent me to the national Disney imbalance center here in the twin cities. And they kept telling me I had positional vertigo and I had had positional vertigo about five years prior to my brain injury. And I was like, this is not positional vertigo. <laughs> Cause when I had BPPB, um, it was like violent. It, it, like if I, if I rolled over, it was only when I was laying down and rolled to my left side and Oh mm-hmm. man, it was violent spinning. And as soon as I sat up, it was done. Right. I still felt like yep. funky after an episode, but um, it, it, the, the spinning was done. And I'm like, nope, this is different. This is like constantly feeling this moving or something. And they just kept telling me it's positional vertigo. Let's do the Epley maneuver. And <laughs> they kept doing Epley on me. And I've later learned Epley maneuver is like 90% effective um, after yep. two treatments. So after two treatments, if it hasn't helped you, you probably don't have positional vertigo. Um, So it kind of blows my mind that, you know, these were medical doctors and PTs working with me. So it kind of blows my mind in hindsight, like, how do they not know the difference, right? Yeah, I I actually, I ask myself that every day when I have patients come in and, um, you know, they ask me that every day. you know, I've been to 10 other doctors, you know, actually makes me think of a patient I had recently who had slipped and actually fell on ice as well and suffered whiplash. He's a younger gentleman and started feeling like he was rocking on a boat and he's felt like he's been rocking on a boat for the past three months. And he's been to three ENTs. He's been to PTs, all these different people, and none of them really have any answers for him. And it, it, you know, it baffles me because a lot of the things that, you know, we do in functional neurology um, especially in the realm of dizziness, is all taken from the text of physical therapy, uh, otolaryngology. You know, we really don't make up anything on our own. Everything is from their, their research and their information. Um, but what I find is that no one really links it together. You may have a, uh, let's say, a PT, and all they see is BPPV. Therefore, everyone who's dizzy has BPPV. And then you may have, uh, you know, a chiropractor. And to them, every person with dizziness is the neck, you know, and then you go to a a vision therapist or a neurooptometrist and everything is the eyes and prisms are the answer for everything. All of those are amazing techniques and there's a time and place for each of them. But what I find is that sometimes when they're all melded together, that's when patients get the best results because the big thing is that 
patients with concussions rarely are just suffering from just BPPV or uh-huh. just visual issues, right? Largely, it's, the problem is the areas of the brain that compute what all of your sensory systems are saying, right? So your inner ear, your vision, your neck, they just aren't saying the same thing. So you may turn your head to the left and your neck may say, I think we just turned to the right. And then your inner ear says, I don't think we moved. And then vision says, I think we turned to the left. And you have all of these inputs coming in and none of them are saying the same thing. People get nauseous, people get dizzy, people get anxious, right? So a lot of times I tell patients it's more about mismatches in that you're getting these huge mismatches in your brain and you really don't know where you are in the world. And that's why I think a lot of professionals um, miss out is they're asking the wrong question. They're searching for what they know. They're searching for BPPV or a neuro, you know, inner ear infection. Or if they say it's central, i.e. brain, they're kind of like, well, nothing we can do about it. And I think that's where we really shine is in that central aspect of rewiring the brain so that you can interpret what's up and what's down. Yeah. And I, I just want to reiterate the point you made earlier that people with a concussion don't have just one symptom. I, I really want to stress that because I think that's really the first time I've heard someone say it like that, even though like we kind of already know that. Right. Um, yep. But when you have a concussion, you have so many symptoms, like you might have visual problems, dizzy, balance, um, pain, right? You might have whiplash, you might have headaches, like you have all these different symptoms and traditional doctors tend to look at just one thing, right? And with me, it was dizziness. Okay. You have PPV, PP, PPV. Oh my gosh. Can't even say it. Positional (laughs) vertigo. (laughs) Um, You know, and so they just focus in on one thing and, you know, a lot of people end up with, you know, just vision therapy or um, just, just focusing on gait in PT, right? Mm -hmm. Like they tend to get treatment for just one of the symptoms. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where functional neurology is so unique in that you look at all the symptoms and where they're working and not working. Um, And like, you know, like I was just astounded. I was really skeptical because no one had been able to help me for almost three years. And so I was super skeptical, right? Like, what are you going to do different? Um, And then it was just like, within five minutes of my exam, I was blown away, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, you believe me. You believe I have dizziness. You believe I have eye problems. Um, And so, you know, let's talk a little more on how you guys kind of assess what's going on and make sense when someone comes in with a concussion and they tell you they have dizziness. Definitely. Uh, Great question. So, yeah, the, and this is something I, you know, tell students and interns that we have in our office all the time, you know, not only when it comes to concussions, but especially dizziness um, and vertigo, you know, the, the first part, right, of every assessment is a history. And I always tell students, if you take an appropriate history with a dizziness patient, you should come out having a pretty good idea where this is coming from. Like I said earlier, you know, patients with, you know, let's say vertigo, the, the direction that they're spinning tells you something. The duration of how long they're spinning tells you something. What brings on the spinning tells you something. If there's hearing loss or other symptoms, it tells you. So 
So all the ways they, they describe it, so that's why as, as a doctor you really have to understand, you know, in the more patients you see, you understand the, the variety of ways people describe it, but you kind of tease out those things and say, huh, that really sounds like this mixed with this. And then from there, all right, we have tons of different testing that you're, you're already very familiar with um, after working with, you know, Dr. Schmo. So one of the first things that I absolutely love when it comes to uh, assessing patients with vertigo and dizziness, especially after concussions, is actually balance testing. I think balance testing can tell you a ton. Like I said earlier, I think of dizziness as a problem in understanding where you are in the world. You don't understand where you are in gravity. So what's cool about balance testing is balance testing, especially um, on what's called the CAPS machine, which is something we have, which I'm pretty sure Dr. Schmo has as well, is we can manipulate one sensory system. What I mean by that is we'll look at balance eyes open on a hard surface, just so on, the, on a hard uh, plate, and then we'll close their eyes. And we'll see what happens to their balance when we take away vision. And then we put them on foam, right? And then foam starts to skew what the feet are saying. So now it forces the brain to increase the signals from the inner ear and vision. And then we look at how stable are they there. And then we take their vision away. And then we say, okay, with just using the inner ear, how stable can they be? So, so far, we've kind of skewed all of these different systems and see which ones do they do the best in, which ones do they do the worst. And then we start to move their head on their body. If you think about balance, if you're falling backwards, you need to contract muscles in your body, largely your, your legs, to move you forward, right? So it's a, what's called a body reference frame. So when you're balancing, you use a reference frame of where your body is. And it really shouldn't matter where your head is because if your head's left and you fall back versus if your head's right and you fall back, it's the same response to move you forward. So pretty much you shouldn't see balance change at all when we start moving people's head in space. And what you find more often than not, especially in concussion patients and really whiplash injuries as well, is patients don't like that. They may go from really stable and then you turn their head right and they fall. And then you turn their head left and they're rock solid. And then maybe you tilt their head back and they fall. And you start to say, what's going on? Why can't they figure out where their head is relative to their body? So we take that input and then we do some more testing what's called a V and G or what's called a VOG, so a video ocular graphy. So it's really cool because we're able to put these goggles on that have kind of these infrared lasers, and we're able to put patients in the dark. And when we put them in the dark, we take away vision once again, and we can see all these reflexes. So the way the inner ear and the eyes really work together is think of the inner ear as giving a signal to a black box, which is the brain. Mm -hmm. And whatever signal comes out of that black box the eyes reflexively do. So really the eyes do what the inner ear says to do, what the neck says to do, and they can only really avoid doing that if they have vision or a higher brain order to compensate, right? So the reason I bring that up is a lot of times we put patients in the dark and their eyes start moving everywhere, right? They start, we start, they start getting reflexes as if they're flipping backwards or spinning to the left and you're starting to look at these eye reflexes and you see their inner ear or their neck is giving this signal as if they're spinning, but you don't see it in the light because their, their frontal lobe or their higher cognitive function is compensating and saying, hey, you're not actually spinning. But that's exhausting for patients, right? And this goes back to where yes. a lot of patients <laughs> with, with dizziness or, or vertigo, they have cognitive issues, they have memory issues, they have anxiety, they have depression. And largely, it's because the brain is literally putting all of its resources 
towards sorting out this mismatch. I always tell patients, mm-hmm. if your brain had to choose between you not falling and you remembering maybe your kids' names, it's going to choose you not falling every yeah. day out of the week. Yep. It, it, could care, it could care less about your memory. So that's, that's key. So all of those different tests really help us to rule and say, how much are the eyes playing a role? Or how, how well does the brain do with and without vision? How well does it do with and without inner ear input? And how well does it do with and without input from the body? That allows me to know what system's broken, what system are they using to compensate? Because some individuals, you know, maybe they damage their inner ear and they become really motion sensitive. Well, they become motion sensitive because they're relying too heavily on vision. So then we got to say, okay, is that an appropriate compensation for you? Or do we need to take that compensation away and give you a better one? So we have to find what system is broken, what system are they relying on, and if that's healthy. And then pretty much we have to say, let's fix the system that's broken, and then let's reintegrate them so they're all they're reweighted appropriately, right? Because the brain's always reweighting things. And it's saying, give me more of this, give me less of this. So we need to make sure that all of those systems are giving appropriate input at the, the frequency or amount they should be, right? And once you achieve that, most patients are no longer dizzy. And honestly, you see depression, you see anxiety, you see memory issues get significantly better when you purely focus on one's dizziness or vertigo. You know, I just mentioned this on one of my most recent podcasts, but I kind of equated it to when you have all the different programs open on your computer at once and then can't understand why it won't do anything. (laughs) Um, And I felt like that's what my brain was doing, right? Like when your brain, because your brain is going to try to protect you first and foremost, like you said, it's going to keep you from falling. Um, and so your brain is putting all its energy into keeping you upright and it doesn't understand where you are in space. Right. And mm-hmm. once you bring that, that, that dizziness down, I know for me, you know, once Dr. Schmo got my dizziness down to like a two or a three from a nine, um, then other things started slowly like falling away. Right. Like all mm-hmm. those other windows slowly started closing. <laughs> Um, and you know, once you get that dizziness under control, I feel like it just takes such a weight off of the rest of your system. And, you know, dizziness is is scary too, right? Especially when you don't know why it's happening. It's, it's probably one of like the least life threatening things, but the most feels like it's going to kill you things does that make sense it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely <laughs> terrifying if you if you've never experienced it consider yourself to be fortunate hope that you never do um but yeah when individuals do it is it is absolutely terrifying you you realize how much your brain needs to know where you are and that nothing else matters at the time nothing at all mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> You know, it is it 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 is the scariest feeling, and I can absolutely see that that is where a lot of anxiety and depression starts to come from. And you know, like the neuropsychologist tried to tell me I was just depressed. I didn't really have a brain mm-hmm. injury, and I'm like, no, depression's a symptom here. It's it's not the problem. Um, yep. And you know, that's where I really appreciate. Um, the amen clinics for putting out a lot of information around that. Um, But, you know, if we can, if we can get that dizziness under control, it takes 
so much, it gives you so much more energy. I, I remember that that was like the first time I felt I could like do things again. Right. Like I had more than like an hour of energy a day. Um, and I could like go out to a mall and I remember the escalator was really scary to me when I had dizziness <laughs> because I couldn't quite process. It was probably processing and dizziness, but like, you know, how it's moving. Right. And that motion made me like feel mm-hmm. off. And then you have to coordinate putting your foot onto the escalator. Right. It was, uh, it was, it was scary. You, um, you start to realize how, how terrifying actually everyday life is. We take it for granted. Exactly. Yeah, going, going into the, the mall, going to a con. And that's the thing. That's the, the big problem is that it leads to individuals being reclusive. You know, so talking about yeah. depression, yeah. I mean, you can't do the things you love. You can't work out. You can't go to that concert with your friends or a loved one. You're sitting at home, sitting. So some of them can't even watch TV. You know, so now you're sad yeah. sitting at home in a dark room. Um, of course, it's going to lead to depression. Of course, it's going to lead to anxiety and so many other things because you can't you can't live your life with it, or it's very difficult to. Yeah. So, Dr. Maynard, we are just about out of time, and this half hour literally just flew by. Um, I I like to finish by asking you, you know, your final parting thoughts, words of wisdom for our listeners um, as it relates to dizziness? Definitely. Um, I think one of the biggest things is there is definitely, definitely hope. The amount of patients I see come in and they tell me, well, I've been to the best this, I've been here, I've been to 10 doctors, uh, and no one's been able to help me, there's always someone that can help you. Um, I think don't give up hope. It's, yeah. it's, once again, it, it's terrible going to, to a lot of doctors and things like that, but there's someone out there that can help you. And like I said, you know, dizziness is something, you know, as a clinic, we treat a lot of things, but I always tell people if there's one thing that I feel that we do the best, it's working kind of with this demographic of patients. And I know a lot of other great doctors uh, who might say the same thing, who I've learned a ton from. So there's a lot of great people in this country, people in the West Coast, uh, people in the Midwest. Uh, you know, us and down, you know, there's people all around the country who do really great work in this field. So my biggest thing is that um, if someone tells you that your dizziness is just all in your head uh, and that, well, you can't really do anything about it, here's some medication, I would urge you to find another opinion and find someone else because a majority of the time it can be rehabbed and it can be worked on. It can be difficult and sometimes you need, you know, a team approach, um, but there's always, always hope when it comes to dizziness. And don't let anyone tell you uh, that you're just going to have to deal with this the rest of your life because um, I would argue that that's not true. So that, mm-hmm. that's my Me biggest too. thing with patients is, is, is to just not give up hope. And then if they're not getting the answers that they like, then they got to just keep searching. And I think that's what's great about what you're doing is you're offering kind of the, the – the, the platform for them to kind of see, wow, there are so many people around here and getting the information so that they can, you know, one of my biggest things is that I want patients to get to the right doctor at the right time. So many patients see nine doctors, they spend all of their money and their savings and they're so anxious and they don't trust providers by the time they get to us. If they Mm -hmm. could get to the right (laughs) provider uh, in the first shot, patients would be so much happier. They'd have so much more money in their savings account 
Um, so that's one of my big goals. I think that's what you're doing a great job is you're allowing patients to get to that doctor as soon as they need to. They're not going through their primary. They're not going to the emerg- They're not going to all these places and getting no answers. They're going to the places that will give them the answers in the first two weeks or the first month, which I think is so key in these cases. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great wrap up there. That was perfect. So Dr. Maynard, um, people can find you at integrated brain health. Nope. Sorry. Integrated health Denver.com. And you guys are located just outside Denver. Yep. We are located in Inglewood. Yeah. Which is, Probably about like 15 minutes south of Denver. Yep, they can. Uh, yep, that's our website. Um, and then they can also uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, just at uh, Dr. Maynard. Um, we're I'm kind of putting out webinars pretty frequently on a lot of these topics. Uh, we're putting out a lot of content as well um, for patients and practitioners as well. So they can follow me there as well. Awesome. And I will have all of that when we get it out on social media. So thank you again for being here today. This has just been such a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Yes. And thank you so much, Amy, for having me out here and keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Perry Maynard. And again, you can always find all of the previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And just a reminder to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. And another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you all for listening. And thank you so much for being a part of my journey. I will see you all again next time. Have a great day, everyone. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.